and welcome to another episode of Niche to Necessity. So today we're going to focus on uh, our guest, Amber Welch. She is a uh, specialist in the space with a background uh, onboarding a lot of new clients to different firms. She just recently created her own firm, FinSuite Consulting, uh, who she co-founded along with uh, Stacey Ferris, who is an uh, active member in the, the crypto CFOs community as well. Uh, she also has a wonderful podcast. You should check it out. It's called Hack Hers, and it's about uh, women in Web3 and the inclusion of, of a lot of different um, groups in this, in this space and how we can advocate for those people as well. So welcome, Amber. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So uh, I'd love to kind of start off by having you share a little bit more about your per personal and professional journey um, and, and, and the kind of lead up to co-creating, co-founding the, the FinSuite Consulting Group. Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much like everyone that finds themselves in Web3, I came here by a meandering road, not a direct route. Um, I have a few degrees. My first time through college, right out of school, I was in the military, thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, then life happened like it does for most of us. And I took some time off. And when I went back, uh, I was very fortunate to have an excellent advisor who pointed me in the direction of accounting. But being the person I am, I said, why do one degree when I can do two? So I did a combination and did computer science and accounting. The school thought I was insane because of this was a very long time ago and fintech didn't exist like it does now. Um, but I used that. And over the last 20 years, I have worked in a combination of public accounting as an auditor, um, then moved over to corporate where I uh, helmed a team of 50 plus at Lenovo and their software division. So really large global team. And then jumped into the Web3 space out of curiosity, like most of us do, and have just since really found a home in the community and being able to help move forward really positive socioeconomic um, initiatives, which is really what my passion is. Very cool. So that kind of like leads me into my next, next question, which is, you know, what kind of motivated you to get into the Web3 space and, and specifically champion female change makers? Yeah. So, you know, I joined a accounting firm as a partner and uh, they did not have a sales vertical for Web3. And I saw a good opportunity. And at the time, I knew some about it from my background, mostly just on a personal level. Um, but I really saw what opportunity there was there from a professional level. And so I sweet talked them into allowing me to see what would happen. And in less than nine months time, I took them from zero clients up to 40 plus. Um, and then the story changed a little bit on the roadmap. I had more than delivered on what they had set for me, but they didn't want to continue to focus there, even though I had clearly delivered and beyond. And so I decided um, the universe was telling me I needed to go in a different direction. Uh, also, a lot of that was driven because of I wanted to have a bigger impact with the actions I was taking. I didn't want it to be about how much money I could make or how much money I could make for a company. I wanted it to really be about how much impact can I have on the globe that I live in um, and the world that we exist in? You know, I have kids, you have kids and what I leave behind for them really matters a lot to me. 
Um, my daughter refers to me as a geriatric millennial because I'm the first year <laughs> millennials. So I, I pride myself on that title and I really want to like do my generation proud to like show those Gen Zers like, Hey, we care and mm-hmm. we're going to do something that, you know, previous generations haven't. Mm-hmm. I love that a geriatric millennial. Um, <laughs> geez. Um, great. Well, so, so, you, you know, kind of leading out of that, you, you know, I left, I know you left there and you went uh, to, you know, uh, was it Cryptio or was it? I did. Uh, yeah. I went to a dedicated project for a short time. Uh-huh. Um, when I went on there, I actually had brought this idea with me of, Hey, I want to do something to elevate women in this space because of, I had really started getting involved in speaking on the conference circuits Um, And the thing that I kept noticing, because if my circle grew and grew, right, like the amount of people I knew grew as one does in this area, but what I noticed didn't grow was the amount of people that were speaking. It was always the same, like four or five women. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really hard to break into that circle of being allowed to speak at these conferences. And I want to say, like, I do think most of these conferences and these initiatives, they have their heart in the right place. The execution is where they kind of fumble a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so when I started at Cryptio, I had proposed the idea like, hey, how would you guys feel about doing a podcast or a webinar or something that allows me to host and elevate other women in the space. And they weren't against the idea by any means. They just already had kind of a marketing plan in place. And so I chose to launch the podcast on my own anyway. Um, My initial goal was if I can get just like maybe six or 10 women to commit to being on this podcast with me, then I'll call it season one and I'll be really proud that I've done something because that's a lot Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to working a full-time job. However, in week one, I had over a hundred women commit to being willing to be guests. And so the podcast was born out of that little seed of an idea. And it is now a weekly episodic uh, launch. Every week there's a new episode. It runs semi-annually. So each season runs from like June to the end of the year and then the beginning of the year to June. Um, I'm already halfway booked for season two. So I'm really excited because if there's a lot of good that's coming out of this one little passion project that I was just hoping for a few people to respond to. That's wonderful. That's super cool. And I love that you kind of like, uh, decided to do it anyways, out, you know, outside of, of your, your full-time gig, you know, that's, that shows that you really dedicated to the, to the project. So that's cool. Um, so can you talk then, you know, about your transition from Cryptio to your, to, to the inception of FinSuite, you know, and, and how you decided to bring on Stacy as well to help you with that endeavor. I, I know Stacy well, she, and she's amazing. She's been on a lot of our calls. She knows her stuff. She's a specialist in the fraud side of things. She's a CPA. She's a, a professor. Um, so yeah. I know she's great, but, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit more about kind of how you chose her and the, the story behind that. Yeah, absolutely. So it was funny because I I left the firm and left a partner, um, being a partner, thinking like, I really want to be dedicated in the space to just one project where I can really pour myself into. And um, I, I wasn't wrong in that decision, but what I found was 
sometimes the choices we make can't be our own. They have to be like where the universe takes you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm not personally a super spiritual person. However, I do believe that, you know, like there are things that happen for a reason in your life. And about five months in, I just felt really unsettled. I had had some discussions with, um, the CEO of the company and just said, you know, the team is great. The product's great. I'm just feeling like this isn't the right place for me. And I don't know what it is, but I'm a firm believer that even if you're doing what you're supposed to, if your heart isn't in something, you're really not, you're doing a disservice both to Mm -hmm. the company you're working for and just to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we mutually agreed that it was a good idea for me to step away Um, it's funny because when I did that, I should have been really, really stressed because I had no idea what my next move was, but I, I wasn't, I was really relieved. Um, and about 24 to 48 hours after I made that decision, I think I had maybe talked to one or two people. I had like four or five companies where the, the leadership there knew me and reached out and said, Hey, um, not sure what you're up to, but I'd really like to talk to you if for some reason you're not happy where you're at, or you're thinking about something different. And I'm like, what is going on? How do these people know this, that something's changed? They didn't, it just happened to all kind of come together. And so my original goal was very small. It was replace my income and live a quiet life. But again, the universe had totally different plans and, um, And so this idea developed out of it. And there was another little seed of an idea that came along with it that was, we need a product in the Web3 space that goes beyond service and goes beyond operations and things that like support companies. A lot of Web3 companies, one of the areas that they have the toughest time with is evaluating their risk. Because in order to do that, they have to hire a whole slew of companies They then have to buy into longer term retainers. So at that point, when I had this idea for like, initially it was maybe I'll just do an accounting risk assessment, but Stacy Ferris and I, um, we're good friends. We've known each other for a while and over coffee in Denver last year at ETH Denver, we were waxing poetic about the idea that sometime in five to seven years, we should co-found something together because we just (laughs) felt that we would work well. And, um, she had posted something, I think on LinkedIn and then reached out to me and was like, Hey, so I'm leaving the role I was in. And if you hear of anything, I'm, I'm looking. And I was like, Hey, I just started a company a month ago. How would you like to come on as a co-founder and let's just do something crazy. Mm -hmm. And she was like, let's talk. So we started talking about it. Um, And what was really cool was this idea I had for this original risk product grew. She had a lot of really great resources and excellent best in class experts in all these different areas that these companies are needing this risk assessment for. So we started putting together this idea that in addition to finance and operations, um, the company could offer this risk product that is very, very much needed in the space. And so we actually just launched the product. She's come on as my co-founder. We filed incorporation paperwork. So everything is moving full steam ahead to hopefully get some funding in place and build out like a really long-term resource for web three companies that alleviates a huge burden off their shoulders.
So I just want to better understand the the kind of like product or the service that you guys are offering. Um, can you go into a little bit more detail? I mean, we can talk a little bit more about the firm's goals and values and things like that, sure. which I think you've already highlighted a little bit, but um, maybe more of like, so what is this what does this risk assessment package look like? Because obviously yeah. you have a you have an accounting focus and and Stacy has a fraud focus, you know, accounting as well. But um, so like what does that risk assessment assessment product look like? Yeah. So my background, because of it's so diverse, I've actually worked in customer, I've worked in revenue, I've worked in implementation. Um, the company as a whole, we're offering right now four areas. The risk package is one of them, which I'll explain in a moment. We also offer financial services, which is essentially like fractional CFO, FP&A, and controller work. Stacy's going to helm that ship for the most part. Um, we figured with her being a CPA, and just because of her really strong knowledge of fraud and that sort of thing, it would be a really good like oversight area for her. And then I'm overseeing essentially an operations and support area of the company. So in addition to the traditional like crypto accounting, if you will, we also do operational. So I have some clients that have hired us to oversee their customer success or implementation areas of their company. I have another one that's hired me for marketing and revenue. Um, and we do have a team of people. Um, we have a wide range of knowledge. So on the services side of things, the idea is we can provide everything but the engineers. So a Web3 company can come to us and say, hey, we have our own architects and engineers. We really need tier one support. We really need you know, somebody that has the capacity to come in and build out process for us and make sure that we can focus on growth and what our product is. And you guys are just going to handle everything else. Um, so being able to provide best-in-class service products is a game changer in this industry. And then the risk product is really unique. No one's doing it. And I don't know why no one thought of it, but hopefully they don't like come steal the show too quickly, give us a <laughs> chance to get our footing. Um, we like to think of it as a choose your own adventure risk package. Now I say that lightly because choose your own adventure is trademarked. So please don't come sue me, um, <laughs> any company, but essentially the idea is if I'm a web three company, I can come to our website. I can look at what risk areas we have experts in. I can read the bios of the individual risk experts to know what their background is and how much they actually know. And then I can decide which of those areas I want evaluated for my company. And within each of them, we have like a real 10,000 foot high level review that doesn't cost very much. And then a much more in-depth one that's a little bit pricier, but goes into a lot more depth. So mm -hmm. a company can come and literally pick one plus areas, whatever applies to them in that moment in time and build a custom package with top tier experts in their, in like, the web three industry um, for those different specific areas and be able to have a report that highlights, hey, these are the bullet pointed highest risks in these areas that you picked us to evaluate. And then we're gonna explain it. And then from there, companies are really fortunate because they can either take that and do with it what they want, or they already have a warm intro to an expert that might offer additional services or that can refer them if they don't. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea of the whole FinSuite company is we want to be a one-stop shop that really supports the ecosystem of Web3 and really helps support like the ethos behind it, which is community and transparency and being able to 
drive growth for companies that are doing a lot of good in a lot of areas of the world. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, so kind of switching gears a little bit, uh, can you talk a little bit more about the hackers podcast and its yeah. mission to highlight the work of pioneering women in web three? Yeah. So when I launched it, like I mentioned, it, the goal was like, I just want to get some women on to talk about these super cool things that they're doing in the space because they're not getting the opportunity to speak conferences. Um, and it's funny because during season one, without intending to, there became this overarching topic about different things happening in the LATAM region. So in Latin America, which is a really hot market right now for Web3 as a whole, mostly in my opinion, because we're seeing so much rapid adoption there out of need. Um, but it also highlights how much good is happening in this space, which goes against the grain for like the mass media's clickbait articles, right? Like we all know about the negative SBF situations and things mm -hmm. like that. What people aren't hearing about is the ability for entire countries to have access to do business because of their home currency and fiat is so volatile that cryptocurrency is more stable for them. Um, or companies that are going in and providing resources for all of these micro loan opportunities through blockchain and crypto so people can be self-sufficient and have careers and actually be able to have comfortable, stable lifestyles that haven't existed for hundreds of years. Um, so the podcast was created with this idea that if we gave a platform, people would listen because it's an interesting story. It's a humanly engaging story. So the basis of every episode is very straightforward. It's tech first. We talk about what is going on in Web3 and what that guest is doing related to it. The second piece of it is we bring it down for everybody to understand. So I'm a firm believer that adoption will happen heavily through education, um, but education looks different to everybody. So we want to create some foundational pieces without it being too dry. So as part of that human engaging story of what they're doing in tech, we might you know, explain it like I'm five on a concept or an acronym or whatever. And then the third piece, which really humanizes exactly the challenges that women um, or the guests face is we talk about what that experience and journey has been like. Um, and we really leave it up to the guests how much they want to discuss that. Season two actually is expanding to all marginalized communities. So it's not just women, still mostly females that are joining the show, but we're also including non-binary individuals, the queer community, um, and any minority that is interested in participating. It's just blows my mind, the amount of talent and really cool, interesting contributors that function in web three that are just brilliant human beings and deserve to be able to tell their story. So it's, it's really taken its own journey. That is very humbling to me to get to be a part of. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, this kind of like dovetails in with that, you know, typically the mainstream media media paints the crypto and web three industry as like crypto bros, you know, like, and, and so, it, it, you know, you, you're, you're shattering that mold a little bit, but how do you see the role of, you know, women and, and marginalized communities evolving in this space over the next 
few years into the next bull run and things like that. I, I mean, you, you've alluded to it already a little bit, but can you expand on that a little bit more? Every day, more companies are being founded by women in marginalized groups. And the really cool thing is, is the science actually backs up the intelligence and in involving women, especially at a C-suite and above level. Um, like the companies are literally more revenue profitable that involve women in those decision-making functions. And so, you know, I think I'm actually doing a number of um, speaking engagements this year directly on this topic that you can actually calculate the level of success ability a company has based on their inclusion policies and how much effort they make to diversify their staff. Um, companies that really make that a focal point to operate in a very diverse way with an intention on being very inclusive as a whole across more than just um, sex, obviously like race and you know religion, all of the above, they're far more successful. And my opinion on that is it really has to do with the fact that the more brilliance you bring together, the more brilliance you're going to get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think like, companies that really want to be profitable and successful are going to start to recognize that there is a direct correlation to their importance that they put on inclusion. I, I love that. And um, yeah, yeah, I think it's important that, you know, having different, different perspectives in the room and, and focusing on what brings the most value to the, to the, to the organization. It's not always having the same people discussing what's going on and, and all that. So it's, it's, it's cool to see, you know, you're, you're advocating for that. So um, I'd love to discuss a little bit more about how, you know, we can make some of these topics more accessible to a broader audience, because ultimately like, you know, some people kind of push web three to the side because they're like, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's like this, this scam industry, it's, it's not going to stick around, you know, the, the kind of common tropes that we hear all the time. So how, how do you, how do you further the industry to make it more accessible to a broader audience? Well, it's all about meeting people where they exist, right? So you can't assume that one adoption is going to look the same everywhere because it's not. Mm -hmm. um, any more than you can assume that every generation is going to understand it the same way, because I can't go to my mom, who's technically a boomer and explain some very high tech part of blockchain and her be like, oh yeah, I get it. Let's, let's go do it. Like, that's just mm -hmm. not going to work. Mm -hmm. However, if I equate it in a way that she's used to, if I bring it to her in a space she already exists, she's definitely more open to learning about it. And so that's the approach that I have taken. That's the approach that I've seen others take that's been really successful so far is you find a need that needs met. You find uh, a common ground that an explanation fits into. And instead of trying to force the you know millions and billions of people who aren't currently buying into it to conform to our ideals, you find a way to fit what we're doing into theirs. And we are seeing this, right? It's a slow process, but we are seeing it. We're starting to see a lot of large companies who are adopting functions out of Web3 to their brand in a way that makes sense in the space they exist. And as we see that happen, we're going to see more 
of the people who are backs facing us start to turn toward us because of, they'll be more comfortable with that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing changes overnight. And there's actually been some really interesting thesis papers written about tech and the um, the actual process that it takes. And every single major tech shift in the entire history of man, and we're talking way beyond like computers and cars. I mean, like basic things back from the beginning of time follow a set pattern of there's a boom, there's a fall, there's another boom, and then a really big fall, and then adoption happens. And Mm -hmm. right now we're kind of in that second really big fall pattern Mm -hmm. of tech adoption. And I think this is where like companies start to step up and understand a little better how to meet people where they need to in order to start to get that adoption to occur. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, when you talk about kind of meeting people where they are, because I, you know, the the explanation that I often give to people is like, you know, imagine escrow, right? But imagine not needing that in- intermediary there, you know, that's kind of what a smart contract is. And, 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 you know, it's easier to explain it to people here in Costa Rica, where I am, because, you know, the banking system here is so there's so much bureaucracy and there's so much red tape that you have to get around that a lot of people, you know, a lot of businesses, as we were talking about before we, we, we started the conversation, um, a lot of them accept Bitcoin or other types of crypto because some of them are expats and they want to send that home. I, we, I have some friends that are from Argentina where, you know, Bitcoin is, is like digital gold to them because they're moving away from the U.S. dollar. They can't really get U.S. dollars, but if they have Bitcoin, they can get more stable, you know, currency relative to their Argentinian uh, currency. So it's, um, it's, it's interesting. You're, you're, you're right. I think you need to meet people where, where their experiences are. And also kind of, sometimes I like to use examples of TradFi that people are already aware of to kind of draw those conclusions, because ultimately there's a lot of overlap there. It's just kind of demystifying that crypto and web three terminology. So very cool. Um, what are some of the basics of Web3 that you believe every professional in the space should 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 understand? Well, that gets a little trickier, mostly because it depends on where you're working. So, mm-hmm. you know, from the finance or accounting side. Let's let's stick with that. Yeah. Finance yeah, and accounting. That's for me, that's probably an area that I would speak to needing to know more. And this is something I've unfortunately seen a heavy shift away from is you're seeing an influx of new companies coming in saying, oh, we do crypto accounting. But then if you ask them even basic level technology questions about what blockchain is or how things function, they have no clue. And it's not like e-commerce or healthcare or something that's an industry. We're talking about technology, which is not an industry in and of itself. It affects every industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to be successful in any area, but especially in finance and accounting, you need to really have a basic understanding of how the tech works. So what I usually tell people and what I've mentored and taught like my teams is let's go through crypto 101. You need to understand some basics of how the technology is working, because if you don't, how are you going to distinguish like the flow of funds and what's actually happening when these transactions occur? Because some of them get very complex. And if you don't understand the very basic level, what's occurring, you're never going to understand things like the accounting that's underlying those. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I recommend to everyone who's trying to break into the industry is to 
get your feet wet with some actual transactions. And I think that getting that experiential knowledge is the only way to make that click happen. Because I mean, myself, you know, I heard about Bitcoin in 2013 when I was at PwC and, you know, I, I didn't really understand it. And the click happened for me when I was, um, I, I happened to be traveling in Guatemala, teaching at a circus artist residency of all things. And a friend of mine introduced to me the idea of smart contracts. And I was just like, okay, this makes sense, right? Like having something where you can have that intermediary, not be a person, but have it be a, um, a an immutable code, right? Um, makes sense. And I, and I saw the, the kind of like evolution of that. So I think it's, it's really important to, um, yeah, yeah. Have that focus, um, and, and to, to be able to, um, get that experiential experiential knowledge um, because otherwise you can't really understand it. When you, when you have the experience of doing a DeFi swap, you can go on and you can see the transaction after it's executed and you can say, Hey, this interacted with this smart contract and, th and this is why. And otherwise you're, you're kind of lost there. I know so many companies like big companies with a lot of money to throw at this problem that get bad advice after bad advice after bad advice, because as you're saying, people just say they're experts in something without actually having that, that, well, and that's the thing knowledge. that when I talk to companies um, that I always advise them on is, hey, what I'm doing, who I'm with may not be the right fit for you, but let me talk to you about what you need to be doing on your due diligence, what questions you should be asking, because if the people you're talking to can't answer these, you should be running away. Uh, because it's really not just up to the person selling a product or a service to say, hey, I know what I'm talking about. Let me demonstrate it. It's really up to these companies to actually take the time to ask the questions to make sure that these individuals know what they're talking about. Because the risk isn't necessarily on the service provider. It's on the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if you have these issues, they oftentimes compound on, on themselves and then unwinding, unwinding that problem can take years after the fact. I just had a client that I'm helping them unwind years of, of, of issues because they hired the wrong bookkeeping firm, right? So it's very costly. <laughs> it's, it's extremely costly, hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix, yeah. you know, and it's not even that big of a company. So it's, it, it, it and, and not only that, hundreds of millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix, but also millions of dollars in errors from a, from a tax perspective. So it's like, mm -hmm. this stuff can get really, really crazy, really quickly. Um, okay. So, uh, I was going to ask a little bit more about the services offered by FinSuite, but you've already answered that, I think. Um, so, uh, how, how does your firm address the unique challenges, uh, businesses face when integrating web three technologies or are more of your clients web three native, or are they web two, 2.5 that are kind of exploring kind of payment rails with web three? Like what's the what's the nature of the majority of your clients and kind of what are the unique, unique challenges with those? Sure. So currently we, I would say are skewed heavily towards web three native. That being said, um, we do and have work with SaaS companies and companies that are more web two or 2.5, like mm -hmm. heading this direction because the best time to capture the right steps is at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So the quicker that we can, you know, help educate these small businesses, the better they're going to be. Um, when I launched FinSuite, the idea was just going to go after early growth because I can have a really big impact. 
But what I found was I'm actually getting a lot of mid to large companies who unfortunately during the prior boom didn't have all the good advice that they needed and now are trying to get things fixed while they have the time, but maybe don't have as big a budget. And so it's really about, you know, just talking through what their goals are and how to tackle them. Mm -hmm. What would you say is like a very notable kind of challenge that you've encountered working in this space so far? Like what would you be, what would you say the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in the space is? And like my entire experience in Web3? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Probably it would be getting the people that have hired me to give them good advice to actually listen <laughs> to some of the good advice, right? Like people are paying <laughs> you because of your experience. Like it's mm -hmm. not like I'm coming to the table with no knowledge. I have two right. decades plus of right. knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, but then you can lay out everything and if you can, but you can't make them take the advice. And I'm not saying yeah. like everything I say is always right. That's never the case. I can promise right. you that, which is why I rely heavily on surrounding myself with brilliant people because of the more, the merrier in my mind, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you know, just being able to get companies to realize like I'm suggesting things or doing things with your best interest at heart. It's really not about me. Like what you're paying me is going to be the same no matter what. Um, what I'm trying to do is really benefit the companies I work with. And sometimes I think founders or people heading up different areas of companies get so set in an idea of how it should be that they sometimes forget that maybe that's how they got to where they're at originally. Mm -hmm. And listening to some other advice might get them to a better place or help them reach whatever goal it was they originally had. That's probably, and it's not egos. It's never been pride or ego. I've not run into anybody that's like really that been the issue. It's really just about, I think most of it's really fear to be honest, mm -hmm. because of it's such a tricky space anyway. And there's so many kind of snake oil salesmen that we've dealt with in the past that have been weeded out. And now we're starting to get to the meat of the people who can really benefit the space but it's hard when someone has had a poor experience to really get to a place of trust. And so like me as an individual and the company and Stacy, like we're all really big on transparency and leading with our core values. In fact, mm -hmm. when I created the company, I had the core values in mind before the company and the structure of the company even existed. Mm -hmm. So I built it around my moral code before I ever came up with the company idea. That's, that's brilliant because I think that in this space, there's uh, not enough of that, but I, I, I think you're right that a lot of that has been weeded out. Um, you know, people's, people's true kind of intentions come out in, in, in the bull run, I think. And then you kind of are left after the, the dust has settled with the people who are in it for the long run, the people who are doing it for the right reasons. And um, it, it's, I think it's important to structure a co any company around what are, what are you going to, you know, Google's famous for being don't for saying don't don't be evil, but, um, you know, they, they kind of moved away from that. But I think that it's really important to formulate any any project around some sort of moral compass. Um, OK, so. How would you kind of say that you navigate the volatility and uncertainty uh, inherent in the in this field? 
So, you know, it's unfortunately there isn't, there isn't a great shortcut method, right? Like, it's not like I can go read a Cliff's Notes version of, or even a chat GPT summarized version of like, hey, give me the update on what's going on. Although I might be able to chat GPT that. I need to think that one through a little more. And if you're not <laughs> using chat GPT, you need to learn how because it's a right. fantastic tool. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, I do have, I mean, like just for my own sake, I have multiple Google alerts set up for news keywords. And I, you know, like try to stay up on that. Stacy and I have a weekly one-on-one -on -one where we tag team any changes um, getting really involved in local councils or, um, the, the blockchain alliances. There's a lot of huge efforts being made from a reg, especially in the U S from a regulatory aspect where people are creating these alliances, creating these organizations with the sole intent of moving the needle in a positive direction for the industry, but they're very clued in and very well connected. They're having conversations. And so just finding ways to be a part of that, even if it's just reading a newsletter, um, attend every event and conference that you're able to. There are so many meetups and conferences and things. It's a fantastic way to kind of stay abreast of what's going on. So it's really just kind of staying active and clued into the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that... Uh... You, you can only go, I think, so wide as well is is the thing that I kind of recommend to people, because if anyone tells you that they know everything about the space, they're either they're either lying or they're just they just don't know. Right. Because they don't know what they don't know. And I think that, you know, you can all you have to rely on experts like you alluded to. Um, but, yeah, some of these some of these organizations do a really great job of helping kind of. A, uh kind of gather all the information together so that you can kind of find it in one space. Um, but awesome, cool. Uh, next kind of direction I wanted to talk about is like some educational initiatives. So um, what are some resources that you recommend for professionals looking to get into Web3? Um, so first of all, there is a wealth of information that is free and available all over the place. If you are in finance and are willing to spend just a little bit of money, Coursera has a fantastic certification course through Duke University that's specific to DeFi, and it's like a four-part course. It's very in-depth. You will learn a massive amount, um, absolutely worth the money. It's not crazy expensive. I think it's a couple hundred dollars, but that gives you access to all of Coursera, not just that program, so mm -hmm. worth the time. Um, other really great resources that I highly recommend a good friend of mine, Monica Talon has crypto connection, which is a educational platform. And she has a wonderful amount of education at your fingertips in multiple languages. Um, I believe it's like English, Spanish, Portuguese, and maybe a couple others at this point. Um, that's probably one of the largest repositories of education in the space that I've seen. Um, so she's just doing really wonderful things there to really move education forward and make it accessible for more than just U.S. English speakers. Um, because there's a lot of people that speak a lot of languages that need to have access. And I think sometimes, especially for those of us where English is our first language, we forget other people need to understand and learn too. And it's not mm -hmm. ours to gatekeep. Mm -hmm. um, you can definitely do things like 
find content on YouTube and TikTok. I have a TikTok channel where I do little videos um, that are three minutes or less on basics of Web3. And there's other creators that do the same thing. Podcasts are a great way. If you want to learn, the wealth of information is out there. And I think the key thing is what's different about this space than others is the community is really willing to help you. So, you know, I come from a TradFi background historically. It's not as welcoming, I have found, in kind of that traditional finance area. It's very buttoned up. If you don't fit their box, they don't really, and it's so cutthroat, they obviously don't want to help you a lot of times either. It is the exact opposite. No one looks down their noses at you. At least I haven't had that experience. Mm -hmm. Everyone is very happy to help and explain things. And no one treats you like you're an idiot for being a beginner because of everybody is always learning. And the space is so empowering about that inquisitiveness that it's a really good area to be able to come and explore authentically without feeling belittled at all. So, mm -hmm. I mean, like I even encourage people reach out to me. If you have a mm -hmm. question, I will never tell you it's a dumb question. Mm -hmm. I will take whatever time is needed to explain it. Yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I, you know, I've, I've, I've delved into a lot of different niches, uh, in my accounting career. Uh, I came from cannabis as well. I, I have a practice where I, I, I serve cannabis related clients as well, still to this day. And it's so funny. It was so funny to me, like jumping into the cannabis in industry versus the crypto industry for that exact reason. It felt like a lot of people gatekeep that industry, or at least they did, you know, three, four years ago when I was first starting in, in that industry. But it was like getting in front of people was like const a constant battle. It's the exact opposite as you as you say in, in Web3 for my for my experience as well, where it's just like everyone wants to talk to you, everyone is happy. I mean, not everyone, but but it, but a good good portion of people are are willing to to help you learn and things like that. And kind of uh piggybacking on your comments about being able to find this stuff out there there's there's a lot of kind of ways that you can learn this stuff on your own and i think that um because of the public nature of the blockchain there's there's a lot of um resources that are are in that same vein as well so uh cool um so how how do you um advocate for the values um that you have through your work on your podcast, because I know you've talked about this a little bit, um, you know, with, with regards to um, uplifting different people, but, but how do you incorporate some of those values that you've set out in your FinSuite consulting practice, kind of bring those into the, the podcast itself? Yeah. So like the way I explain it to people is everybody has their own set of kind of moral codes or pillars that they operate off of. So like, in theory, that's where these businesses should be getting them, right? They shouldn't just be a checkbox that happens to make sure it's on your website. This should be like the core values of who you are as a person. So long before the podcast or the business ever existed, anybody who knew me in this space, like they knew what I stood for because I was very open and transparent about that. And I think that it's especially in like the US societal realm it's kind of an uncomfortable thing for people to steadfastly hold true to what they believe. It's getting more common with like millennials and younger generations. But I think like historically, the idea has been like, you be quiet, you do what's expected. We don't talk about everything, right? 
But as someone who has literally is a survivor of several bad situations in life and things that have occurred along like my own personal journey, I openly talk about those things. I openly talk about my struggles, the shortcomings, the things that I've had to go through or that I've achieved. And I think that that is key to being able to kind of reconcile that between like the podcast, my company and who I am as an individual is I defined it for myself. I stick to those values no matter what. And I realize that sometimes the opportunities that I think I want to do that don't align with those aren't right for me. And I'm willing to let those go by, even though I'm fearful that it's a mistake, because I know that if I'm sticking to what I believe in, that ultimately I'm making the right decision. And I found that that moves things the direction that I want them to go far better than me trying to conform the world around me um, or me to the world around me rather mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to appease whatever that specific instance is. So just, you know, being willing to be uncomfortable. So there's a really, really cool, totally unrelated YouTube channel called Seek Discomfort. Highly recommend it for anybody that wants to like kill a little time and see some pretty cool inspirational stuff. It's this group of guys, they literally do that in their life. They put themselves in, and not like in like weird ways, but in really humanitarian ways, they seek discomfort in their existence because it expands their understanding of the world they live in. And so like, that's just a fundamental part of what I do is I try to make my focus every day about who else I can help other than myself. Cause I feel like if I'm focused on others instead of me, that what I need will naturally be in place. I don't need to worry about that because I'm focused on making other people's lives enriched or better. Instead, I feel like the universe will just make sure I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, you're following your flow, right? Like you, you know, um, you know, if you, if you're going with the current that you've, that you, 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 you align with, then, then things, I feel like things serendipitously happen when you're, when you're in that kind of zone. So very cool. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the future of web three. Um, so what are some of your predictions for the future of web three and, and, and its impact specifically on the accounting and tax profession? Yeah, I think that we're going to see a massive amount of change in the next two to three years, especially. Um, I think, in my opinion, we're going to start to see funding released again mid-year this year. Um, I think the one thing tied to that with accounting and finances, people are going to start to realize that you can't just have a degree in accounting or you can't just have this knowledge there. You need to understand more about what you're supporting. It mm-hmm. can't just be like this blanket system like it is now. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more niched knowledge of the people doing it versus like, I know we have like regional firms and specialties and things like that, but I think it's going to get even more laser focused than it has historically. Um, the other thing I think we're going to start to see is we're going to see a lot more conversation. I think there's going to be a lot more overlap between what's happening with regulation and finance and tech, because, you know, 25 years ago when I was in college, my university thought I was insane that I wanted to do tech, a tech degree and an accounting degree. And yet here we are and FinTech is a very real thing that you can go get a degree in now. Um, and so I think we're going to continue to see it go that direction where it more and more becomes this one malleable thing instead of these like separate individual pieces. 
Yeah. So my next question was going to be about what trends, you you know, professionals should be aware of. And I think that you're hitting it right on the head with, you know, right now, like if I'm hiring someone, I want to see, you know, an accounting and a, a computer science background merged in some way, because, you know, you need to have that awareness of systems, not just systems, but, but yeah, computer, computer science with regards, especially to the blockchain industry and web three. Um, so I think that that's, that's, that's very cool. So I, you know, you answered my question about the emerging trends, but, um, what, uh, what would you, I think we, we asked this question a little bit already, but what kind of advice would you give to accounting attack professionals who are new to web three? Um, get involved in anything and everything you can. And mm -hmm. the other piece is don't think that what you end up doing that you already know it, because here's the thing about this ecosystem as a whole, it's young enough that you can come in and define what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. So, and what I mean by that is just because you're coming from accounting or finance doesn't mean that's what you have to stay doing. Like that's my background, but my focus is much more on the operations side now because that's what I enjoy doing and I'm mm -hmm. really good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think come into everything with a very inquisitive, open mind is probably the biggest piece of advice I can give to anybody, but especially from the finance and accounting side of things, because a lot of individuals with that background tend to be more rigid um, just by nature. And there's a comfort in that. And I too enjoy that piece of it, but being able to be very open to like whatever comes your way and learn, um, it's going to open massive doors because that's the cool thing about this ecosystem right now is you can literally come in with no knowledge, with no experience and pick up something and learn it and define an entirely new existing like role that has never existed before. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's what we're doing with FinSuite. We're taking something that never existed in the way we're doing it now and saying like, why has nobody done this? Mm -hmm. And that's what most of the companies in the space are doing. So individuals can absolutely do the same thing. So I'd say just come into it with an absolutely open mind and realize like the more inquisitive you are, the more beneficial it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first, uh, maybe not the first industry, but it's an industry where, Having that curiosity really helps you advance more because you need to be constantly seeking out and you know new information, but also the stuff that you you have to be passionate about it to some degree. Otherwise, you're not going to last because you know as we say the, the the industry moves so fast and there's new evolutions, new use cases every single day. So it's it's important to have a curiosity about it to be able to stay relevant and 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 as you say finding what you're passionate about so you can steer your career in that direction and not get burnt out. Right. Cause, cause that's a huge problem with a lot of people is that they get burnt out because either they're bored of it or they um, it's too much. But if you're, if you have that curiosity and you go in the direction that follows your flow, as we were talking about before, uh, I think that's the, that, yeah, I think you're right on with that. Um, so, so now for some, just some closing thoughts, uh, you know, I would love for just some final insights from you on the importance of embracing Web3 in the professional world. Yeah, so I think a lot of people that come from a little bit more of a buttoned up corporate America, you know, they're operating out of the sphere of the unknown. And mm -hmm. I actually was having a discussion yesterday, I think it was with my mom, because she was asking me questions about things going on in the world. And she's an inquisitive person. 
Um, and my explanation to her was, you know, we can look back and every generation is fearful of the stuff they don't know. Like, I know that there's going to come a point in time when I'm old enough that I'm going to be uncertain and fearful about those things. And I think corporate America, corporate global, um, in some respects is the same way, but that doesn't mean that there's not a place for it to fit in. I'm sure people had the same thoughts and we can easily find, you know, documentation, back related to when the car came out, or I know I remember firsthand when the internet came around mm -hmm. and the conversations around it. And so, you know, I think it's just this idea of, yes, it's different than what you know, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. And probably the biggest piece of advice that I would give to absolutely anybody is the really absolutely mind-blowing thing for me about emerging tech and web three. And I'm not just talking crypto and blockchain. I'm also talking AR, VR, and AI, right? Like the whole umbrella, this super emerging tech, we have a chance to literally touch every existing industry and industries that don't even exist yet. And what that means is we have a chance to completely redo and undo the negative things that prior generations have done associated with that. So it's why I am so passionate. It's what makes me get up in the morning. It's what drives all of the initiatives I, you know, like try to be a part of is the idea that we can have an impact far greater than anything that we thought possible because we can literally redo history for future generations in a way that no previous tech has given us the opportunity to do. Well, that's that's a great way to close this all. I think. Thank you so much for that inspiring uh, inspiring talk. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on 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 our podcast here at Niche to Necessity. Um, and I'm 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 excited to to continue listening to your 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 podcast as well, Hackers. Um, I would love to kind of just have you provide a little bit more insight to where people can find out more about FinSuite Consulting and you know, wh where they can listen to the Hackers podcast, um, if you wouldn't mind just highlighting that real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So FinSuite Consulting is super easy to find. It's literally www.finsuiteconsulting.co. Uh, no M on the end, just a CO. Uh, you can really find the company or the podcast pretty easily by finding me. I'm on LinkedIn and pretty much every social media. It's my first and last name. A-M-B-E-R-W-E, and then instead of an L, put a number one, C-H. Um, <laughs> however, look me up on LinkedIn. You can email me at amber at finsuiteconsulting.co, or if that's too much typing, you can put amber at hackers.co, uh, a Z instead of an S. And the podcast has a website as well, same as the other, it's hackers.co. And, um, as far as any listening platforms, the podcast should be on pretty much any platform you go on to. Um, but I highly encourage anybody that wants to talk to me to reach out. I am not somebody that lives behind a wall. I am happy to mentor, to be friends, to expand my circle to everybody. Well, thank you so much, Amber. Really, really glad having to have you on the podcast and, um, look forward to, to, to more discussions and more um, connection here. So thanks again. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Take care. Have a good one. <laughs>